Hello, and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast, where it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from a life of fear of your next headache or migraine and dependence on medication, allowing you to thrive in whatever you want to do. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about why your symptoms are one-sided, but why that's a good thing. So if you have headaches or migraines and the pain is all over, you're, you're still going to get a lot out of this podcast, but there are a ton of people out there with one-sided headache or migraine presentations. So we're going to talk specifically to that demographic, but don't tune out if you have sort of a more general presentation of pain because these principles that we're going to talk about still apply. So the outline here, why are your symptoms... <clears throat> Uh, why they would be one-sided. So we're going to talk about uh, just the the causes or the things that would lead up to you having a one-sided presentation. We're going to talk about the types of pain that we see here at Novera, the types of people that we work with and how they're describing their pain patterns to us so you guys can relate to that. And then we're going to talk about why it's a good thing. So when we're when we're gathering information and doing an evaluation and someone has a one-sided presentation, that can be a really good thing. And so we'll talk about um, how the, the, like, what are the symptoms we look for that indicate this is going to maybe be a better prognosis or a quicker turnaround. Uh, you're going to feel relief faster than maybe someone else, but uh, we're going to, we're going to lay all that out. So why your symptoms would be one-sided, the types of one-sided pain that you might experience or just symptoms in general that are one-sided and then why that's a good thing. So we all bias one side. So to start off, it's known Right, so that that's it's it's understood that we are either right side right hand dominant, right side dominant, or left hand dominant or left side dominant. So, I'm I'm a soccer player. I grew up playing soccer. I played through college. My left leg is my stance leg. I have trained my left side to be very stable if I'm standing on one leg because I'm kicking with my right side. Okay. So I'm training my body to do a different task on the left compared to the right. So what does that mean? It means that there are biases and tensions and compensations that will arise on one side that likely aren't going to be there with the other. So it doesn't necessarily mean when we have a one-sided presentation of pain or a one-sided problem or we hold our tension on one side, that does not mean that we had some sort of trauma or injury that just led to us compensating or, or biasing one side. Just the fact that we're one side dominant means that the way our brain creates this motor plan or motor pattern, meaning it coordinates all these different muscle groups to reach up overhead or to kick a ball um, or to write on a piece of paper or even just doing daily tasks, we bias that one side to just do the basic things like talk on the phone uh, or have our hand on the steering wheel. So those things are enough to, to lead into these sort of compensation patterns that can build tension on one side over another. It can also mean that one side's more susceptible to certain types of injury. So my right side, my knee, uh, over the years, I've had a few times where the meniscus has been injured to some extent, not enough to like have to go through any surgery and I don't have pain on a regular basis, but my right knee is a little bit less, uh, functional. It's, it's a little bit more dysfunctional. So, uh, there's some 
wear and tear. There's more wear and tear in my right knee. And, and that's true for my right hip as well. I ran a marathon. My right hip is a little bit less stable. Uh, again, going back to playing soccer, I've trained my left side to be very stable. My right side has more coordinated fine motor movements. Like I can kick the ball, but when it comes to a single leg stance, which running is repeated over and over, my left side's more stable. My right side is less, my, my left side's more stable. My left my right side is less stable. Sorry for the confusion there. So when it comes to repeatedly standing on one leg, which running is, um, my right side's going to be more susceptible to injury. All right. So when it comes to shoulder tension and the neck, the same principles are going to apply. So if you're right-handed, you're going to utilize your right hand for more fine motor movements. Okay. Uh, maybe you're lifting objects, you're carrying things that can be anything from a purse, a bag, a backpack. Uh, so maybe, uh, house chores or yard work, things that might require you to hold heavier equipment or lift heavier objects, you're, you're probably going to bias your right side because your, your grip and your coordination, you're going to be more comfortable with on your right side. So naturally your, your right shoulder might be seeing, uh, more miles or more stress through it, more weight through it throughout the day. Um, it's, it's getting more use. When you walk, one of the things to notice is do you swing one arm and the other arm is just kind of hanging by your side? So again, we've trained ourselves in sort of an asymmetrical way. In walking, oftentimes if you watch people walk, one arm will just kind of hang by their side while the other one's swinging. So a real quick correction in that is just think about how you walk, swing both arms, okay? If you think about sitting, standing, talking on the phone, driving with one hand on the wheel, leaning on the couch in the evening. So sitting and standing, I've talked about many times on this podcast, but we, we are going to bias one side generally. Very few people stand with their weight equally distributed, evenly distributed through both hips, uh, both feet. And, uh, and especially we're, we're kind of leaning on the ligaments of our hips. So we're, we're sort of, we got our knee locked out and, and our weights just all resting on our hip bone. And so it's not a very active stance. I just did that just now talking on the podcast and I actually felt an increase in tension in my neck. I'm not making this up. Uh, my neck has some tension in it. And so if I am not aware of how I'm standing and if I'm not evenly distributing the weight, um, when, when I'm standing and I'm asking my neck to do this extra work, uh, I, because of what I do and because I talk about the neck all the, all, all the time, really all day and headaches, I'm very aware of what my neck is feeling and I can actually feel a slight increase in tension. So do that experiment with yourself. Just think about your day. Think about when you're biasing one side over uh, the other side, try to correct that, try to be symmetrical. Um, maybe if you do something with your with your right hand dominantly and you're able to do it with your left, just switch. One of the easy things could be um, carrying a bag. If you always carry it on your right, switch to your left or vice versa. Okay? So uh, when it comes to injury, injury can also, like a whiplash type injury. So when you're in a car accident, you get thrown off a horse, some sort of head or neck trauma as a kid, jumping on the trampoline, attempting a backflip, whatever that is, your head's going to be thrown one direction. All right. So there's kind of this shearing effect. It's this bowling ball that is thrown in one direction. Your neck cannot respond quick enough to accommodate to that force. And so there's, there's some sort of trauma or injury that the neck is sustaining 
during that. Now, sometimes those are relatively minor. Sometimes it's more of a major type of injury. Generally, if there's any sort of whiplash type injury, the head is going to be the focus. So it's, did you get a concussion and those concussive symptoms we want to see go away? Uh, and, and that's, that's appropriate. I mean, we want to make sure the brain is okay, but the neck is typically overlooked. One of the things that happens more on a long-term basis when we have a whiplash injury, so with any type of injury, uh, so take my my right hip and my right knee, for example, um, and even my right ankle. So in in college, I had a really bad right ankle sprain, all right? So acutely, meaning right after the injury, the ankle swells, all right? So there's inflammation. That's a, that's a proper response. That's how the, the brain gets that pain signal and the body draws attention to the damaged tissue and so they can start the healing process. Now, within a week or two, that the swelling's reducing, and I'm able to walk uh, on on that leg again. the The pain has reduced. It's looking more like a normal ankle. Now, there's still maybe some swelling, but over time, that swelling should reduce for the most part. Now, my right ankle is still very stiff, it, and it doesn't function quite like the left. Now, on a daily basis, I don't really notice much, but if I go to the nth degree and I really try to push it, I notice that my right ankle is not as mobile as my left. Now, why is that? And this is important because the same principle is going to apply to a whiplash-type injury in the neck. But what happens is the tissues, these ligaments that are holding the bones together, the actual uh, the, the bone-on-bone is, is going to be ligament. So the ligaments... Uh, were sustaining some sort of trauma, and maybe there's a little tear, or maybe they were just overstretched for that period of time. And so they recover the inflammation, the the way the body heals over uh, a couple weeks or so, that that tissue itself is going to heal. It doesn't necessarily heal exactly the same though. So scar tissue can develop in the actual elasticity, the elastic component or the amount of stretch within that ligament may have changed. All right. And so now we have a thicker, more robust and stiffer ligament that doesn't want to move as well. So it feels stiff. The other thing that can happen is it can actually change after the injury. It can actually change kind of the resting position of the joint itself. So the, my ankle joint, if I just do these little shifts, if I have another therapist work on it, uh, doing these little shifts to, to get the, the joint itself to start moving, um, my mobility improves. So we're doing a little bit of, of the technique is intended to improve ligament laxity, but also just get the joint in a better position so mechanically it can move better. So those same principles that, you know, I'm experiencing, I had the ankle injury, now my ankle's stiff. The the same type of thing happens when we have a neck injury following a a whiplash uh, type occurrence, all right? So, but the problem is that the neck is generally overlooked. And going back to this one-sided effect, uh, that one-sided impact of the whiplash injury launching your head in one direction is going to impact maybe the right side more than it does the left or the left more than the right. So we've got all these things mechanically that are impacting our neck that are more, more so one-sided than they are both. So what are we finding clinically? All right, so clinically, when someone comes in, generally they're going to have a little bit of a head tilt. This isn't everyone, but it's very common for people to have a slight bias, typically it's to the right, a few degrees to the right. So if you tip your head to the right, usually people feel like that's easier than tipping your head to the left. All right. Now 
that that can indicate that you are uh, maybe you're biasing your right side, uh, you're using your right arm, and everything just kind of gets pulled in that direction. Your neck is pulled in that direction. Your shoulders kind of crunched up. Those levator scap and upper trap muscles, so those shoulders muscles that are anchoring on your neck are kind of pulling more, and so your head just naturally kind of sits to the right. Okay, so we see that clinically all the time. Um, when it comes to the types of symptoms that people uh, will will tell us in our initial eval that are one-sided, it can be something like a ram's horn presentation. Uh, oftentimes we'll relate that back to a specific joint in the neck. So that can be known as a cervicogenic headache. Oftentimes migraines uh, present with that one-sided kind of wrapping up and around presentation. Uh, pain in the temple may relate to jaw. And the jaw is definitely going to be impacted if your head is kind of sitting to one side. Pain behind the eye is common. That's a that's a really common referral pattern for especially a few of the muscles in the suboccipital area. Uh, and aura, whether that's a visual disturbance, maybe numbness, tingling, generally those are going to be one-sided. Now, they can be on both sides, affecting just your entire vision. But oftentimes people have more of a one-sided presentation for the aura. And uh, again, we're going to trace that back to um, likely it'll match up with the actual pain pattern that someone experiences, but the aura and the pain pattern typically go together. An ice prick, ice pick presentation. So oftentimes we have patients describe it's like an ice pick in the side of their head, maybe in their eye, in the back of their head. And that, that sharp stabbing sensation is not uncommon and generally it's one-sided. Burning or stabbing, like the trigeminal neuralgia or, or occipital neuralgia. So if you have a burning or stabbing sensation uh, behind your eye or in the face, uh, in the temples, uh, up the back of your head, those are generally diagnosed as neuralgias. Um, we see those all the time. And uh, they're, they're likely to be one-sided as well. Uh, the strap-like presentation in the forehead that has to do with more with a tension type headache, which I did a podcast on uh, just, I think, several weeks ago, a couple months ago, uh, that's going to relate to more of a general presentation of tension. Uh, but even when someone comes in with more of a strap-like presentation, generally they'll have something that seems more one-sided. Not always, uh, but there's usually something that seems more dominant, let's say, on the right side as opposed to the left. And we do see oftentimes that, that these symptoms are going to present more on the right side. Again, uh, it's not always that, but I would say 60, maybe 70% of people have more of a right side dominant uh, pain pattern. We can even talk about things like ear fullness or ear pain uh, or jaw popping clicking. So not necessarily like pain specific presentations with the ear fullness or jaw popping clicking, um, but more so just things that don't feel normal, and earfulness is definitely one of those, that's a response to tension that's developed on one side. All right, so why is this a good thing? Why, why can it be a good thing that your pain is one-sided? Again, on this podcast, we're all about empowering and educating, so I want you to leave feeling hopeful. So even if you have this one-sided presentation that's just the most awful type of pain you could ever imagine, it puts you down and it's very intense, um, the one-sided presentation clinically, even if the intensity is really severe, um, is, is likely going to indicate that you could respond relatively quickly to treatment. So what do, what do I mean by that? When we start treatment, if we can focus in on a specific segment of the neck or a specific muscle 
that's really irritated and ramped up and it's not happy. And that specific muscle or that specific joint in the neck is sending this really intense pain signal. Um, the intensity can, can be, I mean, it can be 10 out of 10. All right. And it can still be coming from one specific spot. Now, clinically we can, we can dial in to that one specific spot and start treating it. And oftentimes we can get a really quick response. So think of it as the one-sided presentation, we kind of trace that back to something that's more mechanical, all right? So as physical therapists, I'm kind of like a mechanic of the body. So I want to find something that's not functioning the way it should, and really it has to do with movement, and I want to, I want to move it. So I want to put pressure through it. I want to use hands-on techniques to get it moving again. And so one, one-sided presentation or maybe it's stabbing in the forehead or stabbing behind the eye, uh, ram's horn presentation where it starts on the back of the neck and wraps up and around. Uh, those pain patterns are typically going to come from very specific sites in the neck. So again, in the suboccipital area, we have these different muscle groups. Oftentimes I can find one specific little tiny muscle that's so angry, it's sending that pain signal and it's generating most of the pain. Now, does that mean that's your only problem? Uh, no, definitely not. It, it means that that's, that's where we're going to get the most bang for our buck. That's where we want to focus our attention when it comes to treatment so that you get the, the quickest response we can and we can get you out of pain relief quicker. Um, but that, that specific joint or that specific muscle is likely responding to other things like forward shoulder position, forward head position, maybe all these different activities that are slightly building up tension that are one-sided activities throughout the day. So the, the specific joint and the specific muscle that is causing that intense pain signal that's one-sided um, can be traced back to something mechanical that's putting stress uh, on the neck and biasing one side, okay? So it's something that you can likely control, and that's why we do all this education on being symmetrical and then incorporating movement because being sedentary is not the answer, even if you're sedentary and symmetrical, moving, using the available movement that your joints have. And if we if we stop using that available movement, likely it's in uh, it's biasing one side, and so one side's going to feel the impact of that. All right, so here's a here's a more specific example, and this is one that we see. Uh, I would say this is one of the most likely scenarios. So let's say you have pain in the back of the head, and maybe it wraps something around, or maybe it's just pain in the back of the head and in the temple or behind the eye, or maybe you don't have pain in the back of the head, and it's just behind the eye or in the temple or in the forehead, but it's biasing one side. So you'll lay down on the table, and what, what would happen is I'd want to see how much of the nodding motion is there between the head and the first bone in your neck, all right? So it's a matter of putting a little bit of pressure through your head sitting on that first bone to see how much movement it'll give me. Now, if it doesn't give me much and it's really sensitive, just adding a little bit of pressure there will actually reproduce the patient's symptoms. And this happens all the time. This is actually most of the patients we work with, um, we're able to reproduce that type of headache, all right? Now, if you're ever looking for like, uh, what is the problem? Like, how, can, how come no one can figure this out? Usually in the first session, we're getting that type of response where it's like, boop, that's, that's my pain, that's my headache. It's like, well, okay, well, this is what we need to treat then. And so we call it the OA joint, so the occipital atlantal joint, 
and it should not. And if it's not nodding, and all this stress is built up there because it's kind of cocked back like that, or it's it's stuck in extension, and all we need to do is give it a little bit of flexion, and it when we're trying to give it flexion, it kind of reproduces that same headache pattern you have, and it really doesn't matter the presentation. It could be that sharp stabbing pain. It could be the pain behind the eye. It can be the pain that wraps up and around, but that one-sided presentation goes back to the specific joint. And once we find that joint, it gets exciting because it's like, okay, let's target this, all right? So what if you have a more general presentation? So what's the difference here? If you have pain that's just more general, diffuse, maybe it's there all the time, sometimes that can indicate that there's what's called central central sensitization. So it's really how your brain is responding to the pain itself, There's probably a lot of tension. There's a lot of things that are sending pain signals and your brain has just become sort of hypersensitive to it. Now, oftentimes that scenario, um, the treatment is still very, very effective, but sometimes we have to wait for the brain to kind of calm down. So we apply these principles, we apply the treatment, and then we just give it time for the brain to start calming down. Whereas if you have a a one-sided sort of intermittent, meaning it comes like some days you have it, some days you don't, and it's a, it's a, it can be an intense one-sided pain signal, that's going to be more of a mechanical issue, um, which typically generates a better response, meaning within weeks or so, definitely within months, we want to see some improvement there. All right, another presentation is temple pain in the morning. So uh, if you've been like uh, clenching or grinding your teeth at night and your temporalis muscle, specifically on one side, has... Uh, pain in it, you have temple pain, that's going to be something where we want to look at the neck. We want to correct any sort of little side shift that's causing your jaw to have stress that when you do bite down, the bite is is shifted enough where that your temporalis on one side is having to work harder. Another example is um, if, you're, if your head is sitting to one side, we can do uh, a little shift to the atlas, just put some pressure through that so it learns to move again in the opposite direction. And oftentimes, if if the if the atlas itself is really sensitive and seems to be causing a lot of your symptoms, um, just with a few techniques, meaning a couple minutes of treatment, it can be like, oh yeah, that feels better. All right, so the, the takeaways here are that even with more general bilateral presentation, we can find relief. So I'm not saying that um, if you come in and you're like, oh man, my, my pain is definitely on both sides, and uh, it's pretty much all day. That's that's fine. We have worked with people that have that presentation. We we do it all the time, and we find success. But it's it's a better prognosis, or at least a quicker prognosis, finding your way out of this. Oftentimes, if you have a one sided presentation, um, so people always have problems on both sides of their neck or their jaw or their shoulders. So it's not as if the one side has the only issue. Uh, so we, we are going to treat both sides and this is, this is especially helpful if you have a one-sided presentation, but it switches. So maybe the, the right side, you'll get a headache and then the next day it'll be the left. And so we see that all the time too. And, and what it, that's telling us is that both sides have some level of dysfunction, some level of tension. And one day one side might be ramped up and the next day the other side might be ramped up. So even if your pain is switching from side to side, uh, that that single-sided headache is still uh, it's still a, a good thing as far as what we're looking at uh, in treatment. All right, so probably it sounds weird for me to encourage you with a one-sided headache because it's like 
uh, yeah, it's they're terrible and they're putting you down and they're debilitating. It's like how is how is that a good thing? Um, when I when I am looking at a patient, when I'm evaluating a patient, when I'm talking them through it, uh, it's the one sided presentation, especially if it's like starting the neck and wrapping up and around. That to me speaks like there's something very very mechanical that if I can correct through through my treatment, um, you can get a very quick response. We've even had people come in and like the the initial eval, they walk out feeling better. That's actually our goal with most people is even if you come in with a headache or a migraine day one, we want you leaving feeling like you have some relief. And uh, and so that one sided presentation can be a really good indication, or at least. Uh, your, your treatment response can be much quicker. So if you have headaches or migraines, and if you have a one-sided presentation uh, and you are listening to this podcast and you've not pulled the trigger to come see us or to find a physical therapist in your area or to seek out this type of treat- treatment, please, please do. We work with people from all over the world and uh, we have virtual options. We, have, um, we even have a device. So if you reach out to us and you're like, hey, I can't find someone in my area, but I want this type of neck treatment. Uh, we're we're going to start rolling out what's called our SAM device, a simple, affordable migraine relief. And it's a device I came up with that does address the upper part of the neck. And uh, if you're interested in that, reach out to us and we can get you on our wait list. We are currently selling them out of the clinic. So if you're a patient, um, you can get your hands on one of these and very soon we'll be selling them online, but reach out to us if you want kind of early access for that. Uh, it's something we're really excited about. And then as always, uh, help us spread the word. If you enjoy this podcast, please write us a review, share it with your friends. Um, however you can help spread the word because this type of thing is, uh, it, it needs to be shared. It needs to be the type of hope that people with headaches and migraines, um, are needing because they're not getting it elsewhere. And so let's, uh, yeah, help me continue this process and let's, uh, try to grow this podcast so that more people can benefit. Thank you so much for listening to the headache doctor podcast again, where it's our mission to educate and empower everyone with headaches and migraines. So you can break free from a life of fear of your next headache or migraine and dependence on medication, allowing you to thrive in everything you do. 